Perhaps you've had your first uh, flight by now since uh, COVID shut the world down. Uh, and uh, I wonder uh, what you, who you think in your mind when you get on a plane, um, its job is to get you safely from A to B. I remember uh, my first flight in two years uh, when I went away back in December, sitting on the plane thinking, I don't know if the pilots are gonna have had enough practice. Um, and, uh, and I'm a bit of a nervous flyer anyhow, as it turns out. And uh, I think our gut reaction is, of course, that it's the pilot's job, isn't it, to get us safely from A to B. But of course, uh, being a nervous flyer, you, will, you would be uh, keen to know that my favourite TV show in all the world is Air Crash Investigations. And uh, that show, which I've seen all 25 seasons, has taught me that there's actually a whole range of people who have to do their job well in order to uh, safely get my plane from Hobart to Melbourne or Brisbane or wherever it's going. There's mechanics and air traffic controllers, company managers and owners and, uh, uh, who are creating culture, passengers all actually have roles to play and must fulfill their roles in order to get this one plane that I'm sitting on from A to B safely. And if anyone does a bad job at their, uh, their, their role or completely uh, usurps their role in some terrible way, then your flight can be in some trouble. And today, as we continue this series we started a couple of weeks ago on every member ministry, we see Paul using not the analogy of uh, an airplane but of the body as a way of describing the, the fact that all of us have a role to play in the church. We'll come to that in a moment. As I said, this is uh, sort of week three of our series. And for those who haven't been here, uh, or just uh, as a recap for those who have, we started off in 1 Peter chapter 2, talking about the priesthood of all believers. That the remarkable thing about our faith is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, all of us, you and me, have the same identity in Christ. All of us have been chosen by God, uh, are part of this royal priesthood, God's holy nation. And all of us uh, in uh, being caught up in this new identity in Christ have a role of, of declaring this wonderful news to the world. God has done this marvellous thing. He's made us new. We are special and chosen. How good is God, how wonderful his deeds. And then we saw last week in Hebrews about how not only do we have a new identity that's shared, each of us uh, have this identity no matter what our job is, we all have the same access to God too. You don't access God via me, thank goodness, but all of us access God through Jesus. <clears throat> he is our high priest, the one through whom we can get access to God through faith. And because we all have this same access, then we have this job to do of 
encouraging one another, of gathering together. This is actually the, the, the main thing, I think, that, that Christians do. Having been given this new identity and this new access to God through Jesus that we all share, then we are encouraged to, to get together and to encourage one another. The act of gathering is encouragement. We encourage each other with the story of what God has done, the fact that he has given us this new identity, that he's given us access to himself through Jesus. And we look forward to the, the return of Christ and we encourage each other with that. I know things are bleak, but God's got this sorted and Jesus will return. And as we gather, we encourage one another with the stories of what God is up to in our own lives the prayers he's answering, the things he's doing, the way he's growing and shaping each of us on our journey of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus. Same identity, same access, a ministry of encouragement. And the first two weeks have really been uh, about how there's a lot about us as Christians that's the same. But today, we move to thinking about how, though there is much that unites us, there is a great unity in the gospel that we share together, there is also this beautiful and wonderful diversity in the way that God has gifted each one of you differently to serve the unified body. And that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me just uh, skip down to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Different gifts, one God. Unity and diversity. But why? Why is it that God gives to us different gifts. We see in verse 7, don't we? To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each of us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and receive our new identity and receive this wonderful open access to God that we can have confidently, each of us gifted individually for the common good of the church both locally and globally. Now, when one considers spiritual gifts, it's, I think, quite easy to uh, look at this passage and uh, other passages, which I'll uh, come to in a moment, and think that what we have here in the Bible is an exclusive list of the only ways in which the Spirit of God can gift you to serve the body. And so, if you uh, have your Bibles open there, you can see in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, that uh, verses 8 to 11, there, that there's a list. Uh, you want to go to verse 8? There we go, very good. So, you see that list that Paul writes, and we can see wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. 
And we can go, well, I guess that's my list to choose from. I wonder which one God has given me. And then we might think, I wonder if there are any other lists. And, and, and so we turn to other parts of the scriptures. So our own reading, if you just skip down to the, towards the bottom uh, from verse 28, let me just read it to you. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, a second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So we've got a few more there to, to add to our list. But we can also go to other parts of Scripture too. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There's a few more there, isn't there, to add to the list. Ephesians 4, which we're going to talk about next week, uh, has some more. Ephesians 4.11, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. There's overlap and some new things. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, we get kind of a, a bit more of a, a vague kind of categorisation. Each of you, you uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And that's sort of it as far as places where there are lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. And so the question is, is are these exhaustive lists? And I think the answer is no. That what we have here are Paul and Peter writing specific lists that relate well to the context of the people in whom they are writing their letters to, to the church in Corinth, to the church in Rome, to the churches in Asia Minor. And they're explaining to those people how God has gifted them in different ways for the good of the church. They're definitely lists of gifts that the Spirit of God gives, but they're not exhaustive lists. But what is true of all of these lists is what the purpose of the Holy Spirit gifting the body of Christ and you as a member of it is. The purpose is the common good, is the service of other, which is actually counterintuitive to how we often approach the topic of spiritual gifts. See, often my experience is that when we come to the, 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 the topic of spiritual gifts, it becomes a, a, a thing about me. So we think, oh, this is important because I am special and I want to know how God has made me even more special by giving me a gift. And there's, there's one sense you want to say, you are special and God has gifted you and that is wonderful. But when the scriptures list the spiritual gifts, 
It's always in the context of being gifted for the sake of someone else, for the sake of the body, for the sake of the common good. God doesn't give you a spiritual gift that you can have and take and say, mine. Like every time I give my children a present, they want it and it's theirs. And they kind of want to, they look at their sister, she, they like look at each other and they kind of try and figure out how they're going to keep it away from, from the other. And I think we can have that kind of approach with God's gifts, but they're actually, it's actually the exact opposite. You're meant to get it and say, here you go. Let me serve you. This is for you. We need to take an other person-centric approach. We see that in Romans, in 1 Peter, even in our reading today from 1 Corinthians 12. And let me kind of spell it out to you in case you haven't seen it yet. Picking up in verse 12 of our reading today, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Again, unity, but this wonderful diversity. Paul then talks about how these gifts are vital for the body to function together. Whatever gift you have it's really important that it's used as part of the body. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Whatever gift you have, it matters and it is important. A church full of Chris Bowditch's is a scary place. I might have a nice time there, but perhaps no one else would. And whatever gift you've been given, it's, it's deeply important to the work of the church, to the body of Christ, to the gathered people here at Lindisfarne. It's wonderful to have people who have gifts of teaching or preaching or pastoral care. But we also need people with gifts of service who come and keep the church clean, who empty the bins, who buy the biscuits, who engage strangers with a friendly smile at church each Sunday. We think sometimes that if we can get by without some of these minor things, that the only things that have true gospel impact are if we lose, you know, someone with the gift of teaching, but not at all. 
just like the, the, the aeroplane that crashes. It can be the smallest screw in the most insignificant place that has a profound impact on the ability of that plane to get from A to B. And so it is with the gifts God gives us. All of them matter, and they matter deeply. If no one came and cleaned the church, emptied the bins, that's going to have a gospel impact. When people come into our church and they see that we don't care and they see that it's messy and it's smelly, that impacts our ability to communicate the gospel. If no one says hello to a new person when they walk into the building, that has a gospel impact. If no one preaches the word of God, it has a gospel impact. And that's what Paul argues next, isn't it? These all matter. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put together... Put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that in its part, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. We all need each other. And let me just say that I am deeply thankful for every one of you and the ways that you serve, even if you think it's insignificant and it doesn't matter much. It matters to me. It matters to God. And just as I'm trying to be faithful and diligent in my use of the gifts that I believe God has given me, I think it's wonderful that you are being faithful and diligent with the gifts that God has given you. To be encouraged. Maybe uh, over the next few weeks I need to start getting some of you up here and say, this person's done a great job and give them the honour that they deserve. And we can all rejoice with them. The truth is that as we gather together, the people of God, united under this wonderful new identity we have in Christ, and as we come to God in prayer and worship and enjoy this wonderful free access we have to him, and as we seek to do the things God has called us to, we're never going to do it unless we do it together, unless we do it using our gifts to serve one another and to serve our world. And of course, I think the, the really big takeaway for us today is that you have been gifted by God in some way. God is not in the business of 
saving you, bringing you into his family, and making you useless. That's not what he does. He saved you, he's called you into the body, and he's gifted you to serve. And you might be sitting here today thinking, I have no idea what my gift is or what that looks like or what I'm supposed to do. How do I discover my gifts? How, how can I serve? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I can say to you if that's you. First is, there are, there are quizzes out there that you can do that try and uh, unearth your spiritual gift. And they're okay, but in my view, not the best way of figuring out what your gift is. For some, it's obvious. You kind of just know. You know, like one day, you just start speaking prophetic words. I think God might have gifted me with the spiritual gift of prophecy. But for others, it takes a while to to figure out. The best way to figure out what your gifts are is to just start doing stuff and seeing which things make your heart sing, which things you can do with ease, which things uh, are helpful to the body of Christ. And there's no dramas with saying, you know what, I tried this thing, it's just not me, I don't think it's how God's made me tick, I don't think it's part of the giftings that he has given me. That's fine, try something else. I think it's also true to say that we grow into our gifts somehow. You think that, you know, maybe I've got a spiritual gift of, of teaching, you might think that's debatable after this sermon. I've had to grow into that. Just as a, an athlete might have a gift of remarkable hand-eye coordination, they, they have to grow into that. So look for opportunities, try things out, get some tr training and I'll help you, Andrew will help you, we'll train you. See what sticks. And how do you do that? Well, you can come and talk to me or when we get to the notices a bit later on, I'll show you how you can do it on the website and, and indicate that you want to have a crack at seeing what your gifts are and trying to use them in some way. But more on that a little later. For now, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you love us deeply and that you've called us together as part of your body. Father, we ask now uh, that you would make us all keenly aware of the, of the way your spirit has gifted each of us to serve each other, to work for the common good. And Lord, for those here today who know what their gifts are, we thank you and praise you for that and we pray that you would help them as they continue to use those gifts in service of you. For those, Father, who are unsure, who maybe think they haven't been gifted, Lord, may they know the truth of your word that all members of the body are vital to its proper functioning 
that you have gifted them for service and Lord would you help us help them to find out and to enter into the gifts you've given them that they may serve you humbly and faithfully with the gifts you've given them and that they may serve us with those gifts too. Lord, thank you that you're a God of grace and we serve not to earn your favour but as a joyful response to the wonderful things you've done for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.